May God speak to you through today's message from Pastor Adam Jungblut. Hey, I'm so glad y'all are here this morning. I want to give a special shout out to my North Campus. Hey, I miss you guys. I'll see y'all next week. The happy Memorial Day weekend. I'm glad you're here. Look, we celebrate Memorial Day every year so that we can honor those that have given their lives in service for this country. Because we never want to take their sacrifice for granted, or even worse, completely forget. So we have Memorial Day. But it's not like our founding fathers like invented this idea of memorials. No, it's a biblical principle. And the concept of memorials is scattered throughout all of scripture. And the cross is a memorial. The Lord's Supper is a memorial. The Passover meal established in Exodus is a memorial. God institutes memorials for his people so they will never forget the amazing things that he has done for them. Because life's too short to forget. We have a finite amount of time in this life. And time doesn't fly by, it doesn't pass by. Time is spent. And then there are those times in life where time is spent well. And we never want to forget. We find ourselves going through an event or a moment and we say, I will never forget this. I never want to forget what God has done right here and right now. But let's just be honest. We forget. Life happens. We have so many things that we have to remember. If we're going to remember all of the great things that God has done, we have to be intentional about it. And here at the park, we have a tradition to help us. It's called the Joshua box. Here's your first fill-in and your big takeaway today. And what we're going to be talking about is that I want you to utilize a Joshua box because life's too short to forget. Utilize a Joshua box because life's too short to forget. We call it a Joshua box uh, because it comes out of uh, the book of Joshua in chapter 4. So Joshua is now leading the nation of Israel. The entire nation of Israel is at the banks of the Jordan River, and they're about to cross and enter into the promised land. And just like God did with Moses, God parts the Jordan River, and the entire nation of Israel walks across on dry ground. Once the entire nation has crossed, Joshua instructs 12 men to each grab a large stone and to pile them up on the banks of the Jordan. So that every time somebody passes or any time somebody asks what those rocks are for, it's a chance for them to share what God did for the nation of Israel on that day so they would never forget. For us, a Joshua box is a box that we use to store items, trinkets, or tokens, whatever you want to call it, that remind us of times that life was spent well. Moments in life that we never want to forget what God did. So we take an item and we put it in a box. And whenever we open our Joshua box, we can remember all of the great things that God has done, no matter how many years have passed. Robin and I wholeheartedly believe in this principle. Uh, We started, we had a Joshua box. It started off really small. We've outgrown our Joshua box. Now we have like a Joshua trunk in our living room. We believe in it so much that we give our kids their own Joshua box on the day of their baptism so they can begin 
to remember all the great things that God has done. Because think about it for a second. Wouldn't it be great to always remember every amazing thing God has done in your life that you would never forget? You would remember all of the times that a member of your small group has gone the extra mile to provide for you in your time of need. We could remember the little encouragements along the way that we've gotten on those days that we just absolutely needed a little bit of encouragement. We can remember the little financial blessings that we've got. We can remember the victories that we poured so hard into our kids and they achieved something great and it's just as much an achievement for the parents as it is for kids. We put something in our Joshua box. I mean, think of how strong our faith would be if we could remember every time that God's pulled through for us and how little doubt we have. Because if we begin to forget what we risk is having a weak faith that bends and potentially breaks under pressure of difficult situations because we forget of what God has done in the past. So today, I want to give you three reasons why life's too short to not have a Joshua box. We're going to go through, and I want to give you some benefits that if you utilize a Joshua box, what you will experience in your life, and here's your first one. Use a Joshua box. Here's your first one. Number one, I will remember that God is not through with me. I'll remember that God's not through with me. Now, instead of me teaching all these points, I've got some testimonies that I want to show you from members here at the park. I want to show you a testimony from Ken Shawa, a member here, of what he went through, of how he learned this principle, and what he is doing so that he will never forget that God's not through with him. So let's go ahead and watch this video. Hi, my name is Ken Shala. Uh, my wife Clara and I have been members of the park since April 2013. My life-changing experience uh, came in November. I started uh, feeling some back pain and I was scheduled to fly home. I was at the airport and the pain was, uh, you know, pretty intense. But I've had similar pains like that before, so I, I took some Motrin and, you know, the pain subsided. So that night I had a difficult time sleeping. I, you know, still had some pain. And the next morning I went to work, and uh, my coworkers noticed that my color was really bad. I was really, you know, really white, pale. And uh, they told me that I should go to the emergency room. Carl, uh, one of the other buyers at, at the office, uh, insisted that we go to the hospital. And we went to Katie Memorial Emergency, and uh, he drove me there. A male in his 50s, the first thing they do is uh, give you an EKG. And the EKG showed that, you know, everything was fine. There was nothing wrong with my heart. So he asked me about history. A couple of months earlier, I had uh, visited a cardiologist at my regular doctor's request. And with the ultrasound test, they noticed that there was a bulge in my uh, aorta. At that point, uh, they suggested that maybe I get a CRT. They gave, uh, they gave me the uh, CRT, and uh, while I was in the, uh, in the room getting the test, uh, Clara made it to the hospital. The doctor uh, told Clara and I that it was something rather serious, uh, that I had an aneurysm, and it was leaking. Only 5% 
of the people with this condition will survive the surgery. So I knew at that point it was, uh, it was probably the most serious thing I've ever had done in my life. So at first, um, my wife and I, we, we cried a little bit together. Um, then uh, we had to call the kids and tell them what was going on. And she called them and uh, calmed them down and assured them that everything was going to be all right. And when she said those words, something dawned on me. Uh, back this past summer when I attended my first small group, uh, we had... Uh, gone through the um, the Philippians and we had studied the part of uh, Paul when he had mentioned that uh, you know he he had been through some terrible times in prison and that he wasn't sure whether he was going to make it out alive and whether he was alive or dead he was going to be able to serve God in the same way I really got relaxed and, and I put my life in the hands of God and um, and had said, you know, whatever you have in store for me, I'm ready to accept it at this point. They operated on me and uh, I woke up and experienced more back pain. Um, they took another x-ray and found that a lung had collapsed. They performed that surgery in my hospital bed they reinflated the lung. I knew that, that God saved me for a reason. To me, it was, was to help and serve Him. 54 years old and I was on my way out. I mean, knowing that I had a 5% chance of, of surviving the surgery. When I kissed my wife prior to going into the emergency room, knowing that that could have been the last time that I have ever I ever saw her, knowing that, you know, months and months earlier than that was the last time I ever would have held my children or my grandchildren. He gave me my life back. This is how I feel and, and why I'm, I'm doing what I'm doing and why I, I come to the church before it's even opened and, and help out make the coffee, going out in the parking lot and, and setting up the cones, um, receiving the, the guests, at the, at the members at the church as they came in and welcomed them to the park. It, it's what I can do for the park is because what the park it did for me. And what's the park done for me is you've prayed for me, but more importantly, you've really introduced me to, to Christ. I mean, more more than I've ever known before. I've been, you know, re reborn, you want to use that term, fine. But I've been, you know, reintroduced to Jesus Christ as my Savior. And what more of a Savior can there be than somebody that's just saved your life? Amen. Uh, what an amazing story. Uh, Ken referenced Philippians chapter one, the small group that he went through. That meant, uh, that passage that meant so much to him as he was about to go into surgery. I want us to take a look at it. It's in your sermon notes. It's Philippians chapter one. It's verses 21 through 25 is what he was referencing. Paul is writing here and he's talking about the struggle of living and dying. Here's what he says. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I'm to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. 
convinced of this, I know that I will remain and that I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. Like the moment that Ken woke up and fully realized that he was one of the 5%, he knew that God wasn't through with him. And at a time when the doctors are telling him, hey, it's time to scale back in your life, he was becoming more involved than ever before here at the park. If you have a heartbeat, it's because God's not through with you. The fact that you're sitting here this morning means loud and clear that God has a plan and a purpose for you, that there are good works that he planned in advance of your life for you to follow through with. So are you sitting on the sidelines? How are you spending your time, your finite amount of time, to remind him that God's not through with him in his Joshua box, Ken put his socks from the hospital. So every time he opens his Joshua box and he sees his socks, he can remember. And shoot, I bet every time he walks past his Joshua box, he remembers that God is not through with him. And God's not through with you either. But there's another benefit of using the Joshua box. And here's number two. It's that I will remember to never give up. I will remember to never give up. I want you to watch the story of Stephen and Stephanie Poss and what they went through with their now nine-month-old son, Beckham. Let's go ahead and watch this video. So this is baby Beckham. He's about nine months old. He ended up coming about two months premature to us um, this past August. He ended up being in the original NICU for a little over three weeks. His main trouble was digestion. He couldn't, couldn't eat and couldn't move the food along. The doctors classified him as failure to thrive. Um, they didn't think he could sustain life functions. I think what made it easier during the time, um, although you know, you're, you're facing something like that, was I feel like God gave me a piece that I never once thought he wasn't going to make it like that. That was never, never once a concern of mine. Um, not saying that there wasn't extremely hard moments, but we, we never thought he wasn't going to pull through, and we actually started telling doctors that you're, you're not allowed to say this around him, you're not allowed to speak these words in his room, don't say it around my son, because we believe so strongly that um, God had other plans for him. You know, as a family, we kept getting closer and closer because we knew we had to stay together, and um, making sure that our daughter didn't feel left out, and making sure that she still felt loved, and it's, it's a rough go. Um, having the community that we've had and you know, being, being here at this church, all of the relationships that we've developed through this process I think is a great sign of, uh, of, of God's will and, and opening doors when we think doors are closing. I think God has um, shown over and over, although you, know, you never doubt that he's in control, but when you're faced with something like this, it, it gets harder to remember that day in, day out. And, um, it seems like throughout the whole thing that he would constantly just show us that he's in control. Um, multiple times, um, Pastor Brian, one of the small groups, pastors showed up at different hospitals just to pray over Beckham, and it, it always seemed like he came at, at just the right time. Uh, Missy Marvin, who I, I think had a very similar story last year of her daughter Kate, 
that was comforting knowing that we could go talk to someone who's been through it and to hear her words. They actually were talking about putting him back on the feeding tube and we really felt like that that's probably what was going to happen and we were just beside ourselves and not knowing that, you know, if we could do this again. On the way to the appointment, the GI appointment, I got a phone call from a man, but he said he was from Parkway Fellowship, but it was not a name that I knew. And um, he said that he was just going through some names in the children's ministry, wanting to reach out and pray for certain kids, and he came across Beckham's name. And, and we were en route to the GI right then, and so I, I just felt like that was so strong. God just told me, like, I got it. I got it. Relax. I got it. Human resources with my job was, was not, at the time, was not working with us, and um, we were really scared about that situation and what was going to happen, but then an opportunity presented itself, and Nathan Dagley offered me a job where I could work from the hospital, and, you know, I, di I didn't miss anything, so, I mean, that was definitely God. A friend that I had in college actually gave me Beckham's prayer shawl, and, um, when she heard about the struggle that Beckham had started, she had it made at her church. And as they were making it, they continued to pray over it and pray specific prayers for healing and for protection for Beckham. And we have a whole long um, paper of exactly all the prayers that went into this as they were making it and, and blessed the Shaw. To me, it's, a, it's an outward reminder that, that God's protecting him and he's got his hands wrapped around him. and even. Even though the doctors call him a medical mystery and, and the, the greatest minds in the world can't figure it out that God's the ultimate healer. And I know before in my life I've, I've had lots of hurts and I've dealt with a lot of things, but I've never understood brokenness until this situation. I've never understood um, just completely relying on God. You hear that, you know, in your Bible studies and Sunday mornings, but I've never understood giving it all to God until this situation where, where we, we had no... No, nothing else to do, nothing else to turn to, but just pleading for our son's life and for God to, to help him, and he did. I think our, our greatest hope during all this is that um, we continue to teach Brooklyn and Beckham about, about exactly what has happened. And um, so growing up, they know how hard God fought for them and fought for our family. Um, God has something crazy awesome in store for Beckham's life or else Satan wouldn't be fighting him so hard and I, I hope we do a good job of teaching him and that he, he sees how hard God fought for him. Well, I tell you, what a great story. I tell you, one of the things that really amazed me is that throughout the entire ordeal, the hope and the strength that Stephen and Stephanie had to never give up. Even in those times, the doctors would come in and they would say, hey, I, this, might be, this might be the moment that Beckham's going to pass. Or you might need to start thinking um, and making preparations. They never gave up, even to the point of telling the doctors and his caretakers, you're not even allowed to talk about that in this room. And then on one of the days when it was just the lowest of the low, the most difficult, this blanket showed up for him. This blanket showed up. And now rarely does it ever leave Beckham's side. But it is a reminder for them to never give up. Now when Beckham grows up, like this blanket is not going to be put in a box and shoved up on a shelf to be forgotten. This blanket's gonna go in their Joshua box so that they'll remember. 
As they were sharing their story, I was reminded of Hebrews chapter 12. I'll put it in your sermon notes there for you. It's Hebrews 12. Let's look at the first three verses. It says, let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people and underline the rest of it. Then you won't become weary and give up. Some of you right now are in the middle of an ordeal or situation and the thought has crossed your mind to give up. Don't. Do not give up on your marriage. Do not give up on your kids, no matter what they're going through. Do not give up on a friend because they're going through a difficult time. Do not give up no matter what it is. But press into God for strength and hope and resolve. If it's going to end, do not let it be because you threw in the towel. Do not give up. The posses have Beckham's blanket to remind them to never give up. You need to start a Joshua box so that you will remember to never give up. Here's the third. The third thing that I want to give you this morning. It's that I will remember that God restores. I will remember that God restores. When you're in the middle of a trial or a very difficult season, it's so hard to see the end so hard to see hope or light at the end of the tunnel. But one of the things that happens during the process of a trial is a lot of times people's self-image and their self-worth begins to plummet and they, they just don't value themselves anymore. I want you to hear a testimony of Jamie Fitzgerald and what she went through and what God has done in her life. So let's go ahead and show this video. My name is Jamie Fitzgerald and I've been coming to the park since um, about February of 2010. I started going to church when I was 13 with my best friend and I accepted Christ then. And um, my family got involved and um, we were very, very involved in the church. Um, bus ministry, Wednesday nights, all day Sundays, that kind of thing. The uh, summer after I graduated from high school, before I went to college, um, I found out that I was pregnant. And um, as the oldest of three girls, um, I knew that if I brought that to my parents, um, that was going to bring shame on my family, on me, and that was going to tarnish that perfect um, image that I was supposed to have. So I um, didn't tell anyone um, except the father, and um, I drove myself down an hour to Austin and um, had an abortion. It kind of um, snowballed everything, those feelings um, that I just didn't know how to deal with, um, the loss, but the sense of freedom that I was supposed to have. Over the course of the next 10 years um, in college and coming back home in a failed marriage, um, I had six more abortions. And um, just every time, just battling for control and spiraling more and more out of control. Um, just just wanting so much to feel that love, but um, just not finding it. <laughs> I um, got 
reintroduced online to my college um, sweetheart. You know, I dropped everything, moved back to Texas, and um, we got married in July of 2008, and we welcomed our son in um, April of 2009. I, I hadn't really been going back to church at that point, um, a few times here and there, but I, you know, maybe finally thought like, wow, I'd put this behind me, that maybe God was like, now finally looking favorably on me. Um, either that or maybe that I just, I had gotten control. We started trying to have another um, child and um, November 23rd of 2010, um, at 14 weeks, we lost our son. So with that came back all the feelings of guilt because my husband didn't know all the details. Um, I had told him of one and um, we never really discussed it at all. I had guilt that what I had done was, um, I was now being punished for, and that's why I lost this baby. I sheltered a lot of feelings of guilt, and I held that against him for not understanding when he didn't even know. God started working on me then. Following the summer of 2011, I started going to my first small group. Um, that was um, very healing to even be able to open up a little bit about it um, and I think that started the floodgates. <laughs> in um, the spring of 2013 I opened up the small groups catalog during church and on the last page um, was an ad for the women's group Surrendering the Secret which um, was described as um, a confidential group for um, those who had uh, abortions in their past. My immediate thought was, well, I'm fine, so maybe I could go and share how I got over this. Going to the first meeting had no idea that I needed to be healed. That God was pursuing me so diligently that um, that I was supposed to be there. While I was going through that class, I, um, I actually um, sat down with my husband and I told him my entire story, everything. Everything that the enemy was telling me that was going to come of that, you know, he wouldn't love me, he wouldn't understand. All the things that have been keeping me from doing that in the past, it was such a huge lie that um, had been binding me, you know. At that point, every time that I shared, all I got was support and love. And um, I had forgiven myself, and I knew that God had forgiven me. That was no longer a barrier. Our family's Joshua box um, sits on the mantle in our living room, and it is um, a constant reminder. Just I don't even have to open it, but just to know what's in there, those things that were... Um, a part of my past that make up my story, my testimony, and what God has done in our lives. Um, in my Joshua box are a few things. Um, the first, uh, one of the first message notes that I have from coming to the park in February of 2010. Um, that's where I started my journey with um, with Christ again, my relationship. That small group catalog um, to remind me. And um, there's also a little plaster of um, our son's handprints and footprints um, that we lost in November. 
I know now, without a doubt, that God is calling me to be in this ministry to help other women. That um, my my life has been restored. I am happy and carefree and um, excited about God like I was when I was 13. And I didn't ever think that I was going to get that back again. Jamie, thank you for your courage and for your bravery in sharing that story. I'll be the first to admit, I've never walked a road that hard. I've never walked a road that difficult. It's easy to see not only did God strengthen her and sustain her through that entire journey, but he completely restored her. And when, I, when I'm talking about restoration, I, it's not just physical, but emotional and mental and spiritual she is completely restored and praise God for it. Now, look, look what it says in 1 Peter 5.10. It says, In the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, I want you to underline these next four words, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. You can't tell me that Jamie didn't suffer a little while. But you also can't tell me that she's not restored and that she's not strong, firm, and steadfast. Like in a church our size, there are handfuls of people that are in the middle of suffering through a situation or a trial right now. And you need to hear that God can fully restore you do not forget that God restores. Do not forget that God will see you through this if you press into him, and in the end, there is complete restoration for you. This is Jamie's Joshua box right here, and inside is that small group's catalog, or that small group surrendering a secret that she signed up for. Now you know you're probably thinking, Adam, there's no way that she would ever forget Oh, no, she can. After 10 years, 20, 30 years, forget the name of the small group, the name of the leader, the other ladies that were in that group. No, she can forget. And she probably would if she wasn't intentional and had a Joshua box. You need a Joshua box so that every time a situation comes up, your faith is strengthened and it is strong. And you know that God will pull through. Because we have a finite amount of time. Time doesn't fly by or pass by. Time spent. And life's too short to forget the times in life that are spent well. So I want everybody this morning to take out your connection card and let's take some next steps together. All right, on the back of your connection card, here's your first next step in the shocker of the century. If you didn't see this one coming, it's your fault. This week, I will start a Joshua box. This week, I will start a Joshua box. Look, find any box, a shoe box. It doesn't matter. 
find a box today and begin to put items in it that remind you of specific times that God's done something amazing in your life. It doesn't have to be a big life-changing moment like the three testimonies here. It could be something small. There are so many little small items in our Joshua box that just remind us of little moments in time that Robin and I stopped and said, wow, God, you're so amazing. Thank you. Here's the next one. Find my Joshua box and commit to go through it regularly. Look, there's some of you in here that are sitting yourself saying right now, I remember doing that a year ago. Remember that box and we put stuff in it? I haven't seen it in a long time. Find it. Find your Joshua box, dust it off. Jamie keeps hers on the mantle in their living room. Put it somewhere where you'll see it and then commit to go through it regularly. It's the only way it works if you know where your Joshua box is so you can go through it. Here's the third one. Give my children or grandchildren a a Joshua box of their own. What a great way to partner in the spiritual lives, to come alongside of your kids or grandkids and help them remember. Help them remember all the great things God's done for them. Here's the next one. Contact me this week about serving somewhere at Parkway Fellowship. Golly, after hearing Ken's testimony, I'd be remiss not to give you an opportunity to get more involved in serving. Because if you have a heartbeat, God's not done with you. Check that box and we will plug you in somewhere at the park so that you can find out the plan and purpose that God has for you. Here's this next one. Sign me up for the newcomer lunch on Sunday, June 22nd. Look, here's something you need to know. Parkway Fellowship is the kind of church family that deals with difficult things going on in life. This is the church that you can come, be loved on, be encouraged, have people rally around you, deal with the mess and junk in our lives, and we all grow closer to Christ. This is not the kind of church that everybody is fake, everybody is perfect, and you can't let anybody know your problems. No, we're real, and we're a real family, and we'd love to have you be a member. If you want to become a member of the park, you want to have your life changed, just like these stories right here, it starts at Newcomer Lunch. Check this box, and we'll get you all signed up. Here's the next one. Sign me up for a summer small group. But did you notice that every single testimony specifically mentioned their small group? Did you catch that? Every single, every single testimony mentioned their small groups. Look, we have just kicked off our summer small groups. We already have over 850 people signed up for small group already. We're doing small groups a little bit different this summer. There's a map inside your worship guide. We're doing small groups based on neighborhood so that you can get to know the people that live possibly on your street that come to church at the park that you might not know. So I want you to take out this map, find where you live, and then write the three letters in that code in the next step. Now, if you sign up for a small group, here's the kicker. You've got to write your name on the front. It does us no good to know that somebody somewhere wants to sign up for a random small group. You're not going to get into that small group. So be sure you have your name on the front. And here's the last one. I will become a Christ follower today for the first time in my life. Look, God is the only one that can completely restore God is the one that has a plan and a purpose for your life. God is the only one that can give you the strength to persevere and not give up in difficult moments and ordeals in your life. If there's never come a time in your life where you have asked God's son, Jesus Christ, to come into your life, to forgive you of all your sins, and then pledge your life to follow him from this day forward, would you do that this morning? That little tug that you've been feeling this entire service, I truly believe it's the Holy Spirit asking you, and calling you to become a Christ follower. There's a sample prayer at the bottom of your sermon notes. If you've never read or prayed a prayer like that, would you do that? I'm gonna give you some time in just a couple of 
couple of seconds for you to pray that prayer. But what I want everybody right now to do is take your connection card, and I want you to bow your head, and I want you to look at your connection card. And I'm going to give you a couple of moments for you to pray and ask God which next steps he would have you take, and then the strength to follow through with those. So would you bow your head with me this morning? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the times in our lives, God, that you have done something amazing, that you have pulled through, God, that you have restored us, that you have given us the strength to never give up, God, that you have a plan and a purpose and good works for us to do for your kingdom. Lord, we praise you for all of them. And God, we never want to forget the times in our lives when it is spent well that we stop and say, I will never forget. I never want to forget what you did, God. We thank you for those moments. And God, I ask right now that we would be intentional and diligent to follow through and start a Joshua box. God, so that we can be reminded of how good, pleasing, faithful, and powerful of a God you are. God, that we will never forget. God, that it will be used to strengthen our faith in those difficult times. God, that we will not have a weak faith that bends and potentially breaks when seasons get difficult and life gets hard. God, but that we would rise up and we would know, God, that you have pulled through 999 times and you're going to pull through on a thousand because of our Joshua box, and the fact that we remember, because God, life's too short to forget how great you are. We love you, and we ask all this in your name. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com or facebook.com slash parkwayfellowship. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more. It is available both in the Apple App Store and Android's Google Play.